Hello, and welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm Sandra Lindsay. Today, I'm excited to bring you part two of our three-part series on food as health. In part one, we spoke with Northwell Health's executive chef, Bruno Tisson and Chief Experience Officer, Sven Gerlinger, about their mission to transform hospital food from inedible to restaurant quality. While they're making a big impact within the hospital, our guest today is working hard outside of the hospital to make an impact in the communities we serve. You know, food is a basic necessity to live and to thrive and to have the quality of life uh, that we all want, deserve, and need. Dr. Debbie Salas-Lopez, who you just heard there, is Northwell's Senior Vice President of Community and Population Health. She joined me recently to talk about a growing problem in our communities, food insecurity. So food insecurity is the lack of consistent access to food at any point. It could be early in the month, it could be late in the month, but it's also lack of access to healthy food. So it's not just quantity, it's also, do you have access to quality, healthy food? A food desert is a community or a place where you do not have access to either. Where to get food, you have to get in a car or get in, you know, major transportation. And so a food desert is where you do not have easy access to get food or to get healthy food. 34 million Americans, or 10.2% of the population, are food insecure. Even more staggering, 9 million of them are children. A kid can't focus in school if they're hungry. It's that basic. Uh, malnutrition, you know, your, your body doesn't develop as well as it should. Your brain doesn't develop as well as it should. I actually think that food is health. Mm-hmm. That there's a link that you can't, you can't separate them. If you're food insecure or you don't have access to healthy food, by definition, you're going to have a chronic condition. Think about obesity and the pandemic of obesity in our children uh, and in our adults. And so all of those are consequences of either not having food or not having access to healthy food or both. The connection to health is clear. Food insecurity is one of the primary social determinants of health, which Dr. Salas Lopez explained are the conditions in our environment that impact our health, well-being, and quality of life. 80% of your wellness and health has to do with everything but medical care, including do you have access to healthy food? I mean, imagine this, you're diabetic, or you have high blood pressure, you go to the physician or the provider's office, they give you a prescription, right? But it's, it's either food or the prescription or the prescription or food. People are making those choices every day. And so you can't take good care of your diabetes if you, you know, you, you have to, you can't meal plan. You can't meal plan because you can't afford the stuff that's quote unquote healthy. You can't take care of your hypertension, of your high blood pressure. If you're, you know, worried about where am I going to get my next meal? Also alarming are the notable disparities in the populations it affects most. 
in particular our economically disadvantaged community members, underserved communities, in particular our communities of color, where you have higher unemployment rates, lower income uh, wage earners, lower levels of a high school education. Uh, all of those factors, people who don't have transportation, where transportation is an issue. When you look at food insecurity, it will absolutely affect those community members first. And within those groups, there's a sociodemographic element. Children, very vulnerable to food insecurity. Believe it or not, particularly during weekends, when they're not in school getting a meal. To fully address these issues, Dr. Salas Lopez says healthcare has to jump in. And health systems, I think, have, have been awakened to the reality that we can't delegate the responsibility of food insecurity and access to healthy food to others. We have to partner, we have to collaborate, we have to lead. And Northwell has made food insecurity and access to healthy food a priority. You just had our superior chef, Bruno, yes. with you, yes. talking about healthy food within the hospital. We've made that a priority, not only for patients who come into our care, but those that live within the community in our service area. To focus their efforts on those communities with the greatest need, she told us that her team screens patients at Northwell's hospitals, as well as during community events. We do what some, something called the social screener, which has questions about access to food and food insecurity in it. So we're able to take that data and analyze it and then go back and look at our service area and say, here's a zip code where we're seeing a lot of patients either in the community or within our hospitals and practices who have said that they have food insecurity as an unmet social need. We then use that data to go into that community to listen, to understand better what the needs are, and then identify interventions and or partnerships Mm -hmm. that can help that community um, meet that need. From 2019 to 2022, Northwell has screened nearly 500,000 patients. 5% of those, or 22,000, were found to be food insecure. And all of that listening is paying off. This team has developed and deployed 18 food as health programs to tackle various issues around food insecurity. We have hospitals in our system, you know, talk about 21 hospitals, uh, where we know that food insecurity is high, and we discharge patients with food, two to three days of food, uh, to, to help them stay, you know, get, stay over. Of course, we connect them to the pantry as well. Another food as health program offers 12 weeks of personalized nutrition counseling by a registered dietitian at Northwell's Dolan Family Health Center, located in Huntington Hospital. Another brings people on educational supermarket tours. That's a collaboration with actually one of our payers, uh, Fidelis Care, Gala Foods, mm -hmm. uh, the Fiesta Radio, and a few others. We got together with Sven Gerlinger and his department, Food and Nutrition Services, right here. Right. They're very engaged in the community. We went out to Gala Food in Freeport, and uh, we took people on supermarket shopping tours. How do you read a label? How much salt is in that you know, can? It's a five-week program, very successful. People loved it, and it was in bilingual, bicultural, 
uh, in terms of preparing foods and so on. And it was uh, really, really well received by the Freeport community. We're now repeating that program in another community uh, with another supermarket. They're also partnering with food pantries and farms in the areas surrounding their hospitals, from Queens County Farm to Harlem Ground. They're even using the rooftops of their medical facilities to grow produce. We're looking at our rooftops as innovation spaces to uh, create, you know, rooftop farms. Um, whether it's a fish farm or it's a hydroponic farm um, and, and making it adjacent to teaching kitchens where we can convene the community. And so what spaces do we have that we can convert and innovate and, and make them into um, sustainable spaces? Because, yeah, it, it, you know, it checks a few boxes. Number one, we're growing our own. We're supporting our community. But we're also supporting our environment. Uh, that, that's within line of sight for us in the years ahead. I think the other thing we're doing is we're looking at programs like Carlum Grown. You know, you're going to be with Tony next yes. week. He's amazing. He, he's, he's in Harlem with, you know, right in the middle. And the produce that him and the kids and the families are growing are being given right out to that community. They have community refrigerators right on the streets in Harlem. So, so partnering and supporting and how can we uh, support that work and amplify that work in ways that make sense. All of these efforts align with a national push from the White House, which set a goal of ending hunger by 2030. As part of that pledge, they identified five pillars. Improving food access and affordability, integrating nutrition and health, empowering all consumers to make and have access to healthy choices, supporting physical activity for all, and enhancing nutrition and food security research. The ones that we signed on to were to integrate nutrition and health, and I described the program that we have at Huntington Station at the Dolan Center that does that. That's just one example of how we integrate nutrition and health. And then, of course, to enhance nutrition and food uh, insecurity research. We're working closely with our colleagues at the Feinstein uh, to see what should we know about interventions that work or those that don't work. So you learn a lot from things that don't work. Um, but, but, you know, how do we do this in a methodical manner, collect data, and then uh, um, look to see what worked and what didn't work? What should we do, be doing more of? One of the things that we're, you know, um, very interested in, you know, uh, going forward is how do we sustain these programs and how do we scale them? And the only way to know that is to, is to do the research on it, to get the data. Um, that's really important. One program in particular that this dedicated team is working to scale is called Wellness on Wheels. The Wellness on Wheels program is a mobile teaching kitchen, so to speak, and we bring it to the schoolyard and or to the gym. This is an education for pre-K to fourth grade to children and their families, economically disadvantaged, Communities, predominantly communities of color, are black and brown and Latinx communities. And we go there to the school and we teach them. It's only 30 minutes. Our dietitians, our nutritionists, it's led by our team of people. And they teach them physical exercise, my USDA plate. 
Then they go back in the spring, how to grow your own plants. They go home with a healthy vegetable with recipes in multiple languages. And, you know, that might seem small, but believe it or not, it's impactful. To date, Wellness on Wheels has reached 29,000 children on Long Island, and now it's expanding to Staten Island. And what they're doing there is they're partnering the Wellness on Wheels piece with their Healthy Corner Store initiative. They have corner stores that are adjacent to schools. And in those stores, they're, they're educating the store owners on what healthy foods they should have there, what produce. They're supporting them by helping them source healthy food and vegetables and fruits for the kids when they get out of school. And so if you, if you meet people where they are, sky's the limit. And for each and every program, she said there is a team of volunteers, both from Northwell and in the community, which makes them possible. Each area, each team, each unit, each department finds a way to make this priority their own. Whether they're doing it to help each other, to, you know, get busy with your hands and relieve stress, or you're doing it to give back. Uh, we have so many volunteers. Our community events are all out in the community. So when we do things, uh, we're not doing them at Northwell sites uh, specifically. We're actually doing it within a faith-based organization, within a community-based or a school. And so uh, just let us know when you want to come, you know, and, and uh, we'll be ready for you and we'll let you know what you need to bring. And uh, in, in addition to yourself and your optimistic spirit, and uh, we'll be happy to have you and happy to meet you there. While most of their efforts are spent looking outward, some programs are built to benefit their fellow employees. So I'm working with our, our HR leadership to identify and in a very confidential, dignified way, provide support to our employees that have, and we have a caregivers fund that they started uh, and they have, they're keenly focused on ensuring that for those that are going to difficult, through difficult times, they find solace and support and resources in a confidential and dignified way. And so we are, that's not, it's top of mind for us. Uh, and we're thinking of ways, even using one of our partners, you know, like Queens County Farm, they produce produce, uh, making it available to our employees. So we're thinking through what does that look like, what makes sense, and what's gonna be very respectful to our employees as they go through difficult times, as many of us do. Thanks to its community and population health team, Northwell has distributed over 65,000 pounds of food at various community events. Also at these events, the team helps families in need enroll for SNAP benefits, which is a government program that provides income for food to low-wage individuals. We're seeing this across the board, right? As the pandemic has become endemic, right? And we're not talking about it or, or seeing the devastation of that as much as we saw in 2020. Um, is that, you know, there's a lot of rollback in benefits that has happened. And the cost of living of other things has gone up. Gasoline, you know, the price per gallon. And, and so those expenses all fall onto the consumer, Right. And depending on your life circumstances, you know, that could take its toll. Looking ahead, Dr. Salas Lopez and team are working hard to expand their efforts and improve the lives of people 
experiencing food insecurity, and they're not alone. Through their support of the White House's pledge to end hunger by 2030, Northwell's team is gaining insight into what others are doing across the country. We're now part of a collaborative. We meet every month to learn what other systems. And frankly, in this collaborative, in this White House pledge, many that signed on were not necessarily food companies. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's wonderful to learn about other people's work, what they're doing across the country, their commitment, uh, because we're not on this journey alone. The pandemic taught us that no one can do solve for this alone. You have to solve for it in partnership with others. And, and by the way, there are countries across the globe that we can learn from. And so uh, for us, I think this is gonna be an opportunity to learn uh, from others and to really commit and double down on you know, all the programs I just described to end hunger by 2030. That does it for part two of our series on food as health. I want to thank Dr. Salas Lopez again for joining us and for all the incredible work that she and her team is doing out in the community to address food insecurity. We talked about Northwell's partnerships with farms like Harlem Grown. And our next episode will feature my interview with Tony Hillary, the founder of Harlem Grown. And it's only appropriate that to end the series on food as health, that I visited one of Harlem Grown's farms. I can't wait to share that conversation with you. That will be available on July 19th. Until then, I'm Sandra Lindsay, and this has been another episode of 20 Minute Health Talks.